1: Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. Um, today I'm going to talk about things in a slightly bigger uh, way. Uh, normally I focus in on a particular episode of history to do with America or China or India or Poland or something like that. Today I want to talk about really world history, uh, world economic history throughout the 1970s and why it is that much of the world transitioned from a period of uh, economic growth and, and precedented period of economic growth from the end of the Second World War um, through to the late 1960s, um, through to a period of economic crisis which lasted throughout the 1970s and uh, 1980s. Um, there was a, uh, a brief period of respite in the 1990s and we're, we're pretty much back in it now. Um, so what is this this bigger story all about I intend in the next 20 minutes to try and investigate that a little bit hang on to the end because there's the uh, chance to get 10% off audio pie uh, podcasts great for studying and great for learning and great for teaching uh, so hang on to the end and you'll you'll hear all about that uh, but without further ado let's talk about economic crisis So any economic boom will slow down at some point. What normally tends to happen is that people spend large quantities of money and then they continue to do so, they consume, buying nice things, um, and then they borrow. And then the amount that they borrow eats into the disposable income and then the spending power declines and the amount that... Factories uh, produce declines because shops are ordering less things and so on and so forth. And you go from a, uh, an, inf- uh, an inflationary to a deflationary moment. This is considered fairly normal. People pay up their debts and they start spending again. Hence you have um, business cycles um, and economic cycles. Um, however, however, in the 1970s, um, in Britain, America and much of Europe, this doesn't happen. What happens is that at the same time you have deflation, i.e. the economies of the Western world slowing down and in some cases shrinking in size, Um, you have no decrease in average prices. In fact, the recessions that the Western world face are also accompanied by inflation, which is normally symptomatic of an overheated economy. The uh, um, economists have puzzled uh, over why this happened and the answer that uh, was reached, particularly in Britain and America, was a, a monetarist answer. It was to do with excess money supply. There was too much money in the economy. And this, they, uh, monetarist economists, said was really the fault of Keynesianism, of um, generous state spending throughout the post war era, um, which had disrupted price signals in the economy. There are other more likely culprits than this, however, and we need to begin our story in 1971 with Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon in 1971 takes the dollar off the gold standard, off the fixed system of exchange rates, so the dollar is now no longer um, equivalent to an amount of gold. Instead, it becomes what we call a fiat currency, i.e. you can make as much of it as you like. It has no intrinsic value. And uh, the devaluation is because uh, America has spent a lot of money on Vietnam. um, Fighting a war of attrition on the other side of the world uh, over a long period of time um, has been extremely expensive. And America has had to borrow money in order to pay for the Vietnam War. And this meant that by taking the dollar off the gold standard, it became easier to repay America's debts. Now, the, the paradox here is that Nixon decided unilaterally to remove the um, dollar from the um, gold standard, and it meant that... Other European currencies, other I say first world currencies, had little choice but to follow suit. It wasn't what they wanted, uh, but when the world's reserve currency abandons a, a system of exchange, the system of exchange tends to start to break down itself. The gold standard, which was the product of the Bretton Woods uh, meetings of uh, 1944, um, was a, a, a an indication of how people like Keynes and um, his American counterparts um, saw the development of the post-war world. It was seen that uh, it was assumed that um, wealthy countries would become part of a, a fixed and stable um, monetary and exchange uh, and trading system. And this system had lasted nicely for three decades, and now it was starting to break down. And there was no indication as to what would replace it. Two years later, in Paris in 1973, Bretton Woods is consigned to the history books, and instead a floating system of exchange rates... Is, um, is born and this creates huge new potentials for um, financial um, fin- uh, fi- the financial industry um, and the um, ability to trade currency and speculate on currency something that, that really has a huge impact on every economy in the world today. Most of the currencies particularly in Europe were overvalued um, the deflate, the decline in value of currencies when they started to be traded um, on the ex, uh, on a uh, floating exchange rate, uh, meant that prices rose, particularly for imports. Um, anybody wondering how this works, have a look back at um, everything that's happened since the Brexit referendum last uh, summer, um, as the, prou- the the pound becomes. A, a less desirable um, a, a, a less desirable currency prices rise because it costs more pounds to buy things from overseas so this was one inflationary pressure on European uh, countries uh, America unfortunately doesn't miss out on this inflationary pressure either however most governments believed that the decision to cause uh, to, to weather a little bit of inflation was no bad thing and that a certain amount of inflation in the system was OK and manageable. It was better this than to allow recessions and to retreat from commitments to full employment and other aspects of the, kind of the, 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 the post-war social democratic consensus which had been dominant in much of the, the First World uh, since the end of World War II. And it wasn't necessarily a terrible idea to permit a little bit of inflation into the system um, under, um, and under sort of more favourable world conditions. It may well have just about worked. Um, the there is only one country in Western Europe that was uh, um, deeply averse to price inflation, and that would have been uh, in by before 1989, obviously West Germany. And Germany in 1923 experienced hyperinflation, with catastrophic effects upon uh, German democratic life. Uh, uh, you know, a, a decade later, killing uh, throttling it entirely. But a huge amount of power had now been handed to international currency traders, people buying and selling currencies. Um, There was no regulation of them. The um, previous um, uh, monetary systems, uh, internationally agreed and nationally enforced, um, allowed for strict currency controls, i.e. the preventing of people from leaving the country with large amounts of currency, which could potentially be uh, destabilising. So price inflation on um, commodities um increased between and, 1971 and 1973 um the world f- uh, price of non-fuel commodities increased by 70% and food by 100% um this was a crisis already bet- before um the two oil shocks of the 1970s so in october 1973 um the yom kippur war um the third arab-israeli war um happened and within um uh, within a day oil exporting countries had um mainly arab oil exporting countries i should I should add um had announced in response to uh, america's decision to back israel um, had announced plans to um, reduce oil production and therefore push up the price. Um, the, uh, the, the king of Saudi Arabia had said to Richard Nixon, time for America to sit this one out. Um, it's time for um, uh, the, the uh, Arab nations to uh, fight uh, unhandicapped um, uh, Israel. And the, um, uh, the uh, war... Uh, which finishes with an um, Egyptian-Israeli ceasefire at the end of October, on the 25th of October, um, has long-lasting consequences for European countries. The um, uh, Arab frustration for Israel, um, uh, for um, Western backing of Israel, uh, leads to a decision to continue um putting the price of oil up and uh, decreasing supply and so by christmas 1973 um the uh, cost of oil had doubled since the start of the year uh, which is creates a, a huge shock to um you, the uh, the european um european and uh, american economies um it's it should be noted obviously at the time that the soviet union was assisting the uh, Syrians uh, and Egyptians with arms. Um, So the idea that the uh, American support for Israel was completely one-sided is is, is perhaps a little disingenuous. The price of oil hadn't changed since the 1940s in comparative terms. So the long period of... um, The long period of prosperity had seen low oil prices, and they had been founded on low low oil prices. In the case of America, particularly, the development of towns and cities and the growth of suburbia was based on cheap oil. The moment that it costs an unsustainable amount to drive from um, suburban conurbations on the outskirts of American cities um, uh, long journeys into the city, It means that suburbia is thrown into crisis, the 1970s and 1980s, and indeed 1990s, produce all sorts of kind of culture surrounded, uh, all sorts of kind of um, movies and TV shows and novels about suburban crisis, and it's partly the the economic underpinnings of suburbia are profoundly shaken by the oil shock. Oil, if anything, had actually in real terms got cheaper throughout the, the 50s and the 60s, um, due Because of almost negligible inflation. And because of this, oil had um, gradually replaced solid fuels. So.
0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: have become uncompetitive uh, when um, uh, faced with the cheapness of oil, uh, in terms of uh, particularly of of heating and electricity and power. So you can see the dependency of Western European societies on oil as a fossil fuel. And when the price of oil dramatically increases, so does the price of transportation, electricity and energy, uh, power... Um, and everything based on that, agriculture, food, um, you name it. Oil production in Great Britain from uh, North Sea Oil had only begun in 1971, and so there wasn't really long enough for uh, uh, Britain to become self-sufficient on oil, um, and perhaps not in the the quantities that that were needed. And, of course, in Europe and America, uh, the exacerbating factor throughout this period of time were growing populations and, obviously, a consumer boom, which made uh, cheap oil a a far more essential commodity, mainly to power the tens of millions of new cars which had uh, found their way onto the new roads and highways of Europe. Uh, and had become the, the kind of the ultimate status symbol of post-war affluence. One thing that was lost with the end of fixed exchange rates was its uh, predictability in prices. As um, currencies move up and down on a floating exchange rate, you get ever increasing price volatility, and the pressure the economic pressures of the 1970s pushed prices only in one direction. Now, it it must be remembered that not only had uh, countries like Great Britain experienced uh, an oil shock and the problem of the end of the gold standard, but Britain particularly had experienced creeping inflation throughout the 1960s as Britain failed to invest uh, sufficiently in new industries and failed to deal with the uh, industrial problems that it faced. Um, inflation um, was a sign of poor com- uh, poor competitiveness and poor productivity. Uh, low productivity has been really britain's post war uh, great nightmare really um, and poor productivity and um, poor um, industrial relations were again exacerbated by inflation that forced um, workers to compete for higher wage claims and to strike for higher wage claims. And thus Britain had this reputation for being a a country riven with industrial unrest and uh, economic problems. The reality, actually, in the 1960s and 1970s, is that more strike days were lost in the USA, in Italy, in France, in Japan and in Canada than were lost per year in Great Britain. So the, the image doesn't always uh, portray the reality. To give you an indication of inflation <clears throat> throughout the 1970s, uh, during the 60s, um, the OECD figures were that inflation across uh, Western Europe was at 3.1%, very steady throughout the decade from sixty nine to seventy three it was six point four percent so effectively more than doubles and then it more it doubles again from seventy three to seventy nine at eleven point nine percent um there are obviously variations um West Germany um managed to have a reasonable inflation rate of four point seven percent which would be considered extremely high by today's standards. Um, French inflation uh, averaged at 10.7%. But it's Great Britain um, that just comes in under Italy at 15.6%. Italy is um And in 1975, um, the inflation shoots up to 24%. The problem with this kind of inflation... Is that it had never really been seen before. Inflation previously was the sign of an overheating economy, or um, where uh, production had um, dramatically, uh, spending had dramatically outpaced uh, productivity, there's too much money whizzing around the economy, or a, um, a, a creation of um, a, an overprinting of currency, uh, such as with uh, Weimar Germany. In 1923, this was a um, a commodity um, a, a commodity based inflation, where the uh, commodity price of a raw material like oil um, is artificially forced up, and the and it indicates a, an over reliance on a particular energy source, which is largely, unfortunately, unavoidable. There's a second oil shock in 1979, when the Iranian Revolution happens and the Shah of Iran is overthrown by the Ayatollah Khomeini. And from 1979 to 1980, um, the uh, once again, prices soar upwards. The term that economists used to uh, describe the phenomena of inflation and low growth in the 1970s, therefore, was called stagflation, stagnation and inflation. Uh, it wasn't, again, to make it distinct from the inflation that is born of um, a overheating economy and one which really more accurately reflected the times. The thing about the 1970s that always has to be remembered um, is that uh, across Western Europe and the USA, even though um, inflation is eating away at living standards, in most cases, in most countries, people enjoy a better standard of living in 1979 than they do in 1969. And the fact that the 70s is viewed as such an apocalyptic economic time, I mean, it doesn't bear (coughs) much comparison with the 1930s, for example. Um, The the, the reason why it's it's viewed as um, such a, a dark time economically is partly because it's compared to the previous two decades, the 50s and 60s, which um, were areas of low prices, relatively high wages and full employment. And it's those decades, the 50s and 60s, that are the real anomaly here. If you compare the growth rates of Great Britain, it's about 1.3% throughout the 1970s, to the growth rates uh, of Britain between 1914 and 1950, they are they're roughly comparable, and the growth rates uh, that Britain has in the 50s and 60s about three percent, um, which are um, uh, uh, which you can compare to the growth rates of France and Germany five and six percent during the 50s and 60s as well. Uh, these are, you know, aberrations. The final thing to remember about the 1970s is that it was a decade where um, America and Europe recognised a, a full economic recovery uh, from Asia, from countries like Taiwan, uh, Japan, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, uh, and later, obviously, in the 1980s and 90s, you China um, becomes the, the great... Uh, tiger economy, um, largely by following the example of the uh, new capitalist economies um, on its borders. Um, and this puts a uh, an additional pressure on um, domestic manufacturing in Europe and America, and this has obviously a knock-on effect on employment uh, by the end of the 1970s, the uh, employment rate is 7% in France, 8% in Italy, and 9% in Great Britain. So these are staggering figures. And in Britain from 1979 onwards, with the advent of Thatcherism, unemployment rates soared still higher, coming close to the 3 million mark in the early 1980s. Many uh, commentators argue that in Britain, um, the solution to stagflation was Thatcherism, and this is largely true. However, it needs to be seen in a slightly different perspective as well, in that from 1976 onwards, the Labour Chancellor, Dennis Healy, abandoned most of the main trappings of the post-war consensus three years before Margaret Thatcher was even in office, the commitment to full employment being the chief one. And um, the the reason for this is the decision by Great Britain to uh, to access an IMF loan. Um, The loan came with conditions such as the um the privatization and the selling off of public assets in order to make britain more uh, a more competitive country a more um financially sound country suppose so the theory goes um this is by the way the, the the thinking of the generation of monetarists who had been chipping away since the 1950s and their time had really come um, and the uh, monetarist economics or economists argued that the real essence of um, bringing down inflation and thus returning the country to productivity was to reduce the money supply at any cost. Um, this is tried in the early 1980s uh, by uh, Geoffrey Howe, uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher's Chancellor, and is a dismal failure. So, to, to conclude, um, the conditions that created um, inflation and uh, economic decline in the 1970s uh, across much of the wealthy world. And there is a whole other story to talk about the communist world during the 1970s. We haven't got scope to do that now. Um, These were long-term structural problems, such as um, productivity in places like Great Britain and uh, industrial relations, and the short-term reaction to oil shocks. Um, And it's something that it takes... The economies of the Western world—the best part of twenty years—to manage to to get themselves out of, um, and this is why you know we perhaps why we have fond memories of the nineteen nineties. Uh, one of the many reasons why we look back on that as a halcyon era, um, because many of these crises seem to be in uh, abeyance for the uh, uh, for the most part. Uh, and that is um, what gives us this, this view of the 1990s that's popularly held uh, as being this kind of wonderful uh, post-historical post historical decade. Okay, so um, that's everything on inflation for today and probably for the foreseeable future. I think we've all had enough of that. I'm talking about money. If you want to get your 10% off um, audio pie podcasts, um hold on and here comes our amazing advert The mist of a November dawn doesn't shroud the smell of mud, dried sweat or the latrine. Yet there's something different in the air. Silence. The guns have stopped. So's the shouting. What next? Welcome to AudioPie's GCSE series on Germany between 1919 and 1945. During this series. To find out we'll more, go to the... www.audiopie.co.uk and quote the promo code EXPLAIN when you get to the checkout. AudioPie, inspiring education.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quins.